0: Welcome to this episode of the We Travel There podcast. We're in Bruges, Belgium with my new friend Shane Mahoney of lugostravel.com. Shane is a luxury travel agent that creates incredible experiences for his clients. And one of his favorite destinations is Bruges because its canals and waterways are so idyllic and charming. In this episode, Shane and I talk about climbing the Bruges-Belfry Tower, touring the world's only beer pipeline at the Haveman Brewery, and exploring the Basilica of the Holy Blood. you hear about these three amazing experiences and so much more. If you know someone interested in visiting Belgium, I'd love it if you shared this episode with them. The show notes and our one-page guide of Shane's tips are available at wetravelthere.com forward slash Bruges. Now let's get started. The We Travel There podcast helps you travel like a local by interviewing guests from around the world to uncover the hidden gems of their city by finding out the best things to do, eat, drink, and see from a local's point of view. Acorns is one of my favorite apps because it helps me invest spare change automatically. Every time I make a purchase with a registered debit or credit card, the transaction is rounded up to the next dollar. Then Acorn invests these roundups in my personalized portfolio. Plus when you shop at participating retailers or service providers, you can earn additional found money to invest in your future. Examples of current and previous partners include DoorDash, Liberty Mutual, Macy's, and FedEx. I've been using Acorns for years and love how much money I've saved up from all these small investments. Sign up using my referral link at wetravelthere.com forward slash acorns to start saving today. Hey, Shane, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Today, we're talking about a place that I didn't get a chance to go to. I was very close. Uh, I was there with my daughter in Brussels, and we were going to take a, a day trip out to the Bruges but we end up going to Ghent instead. So I really want to learn all about Bruges and that way next time I'll be able to, to go there and, and, and enjoy myself and, and explore everything that it has to offer.
1: Absolutely. I can't wait to uh, give you a little bit of information. I hope It's, it's going to be fun.
0: Right on. So what's your connection to the city?
1: You know, it's an accident that I fell in love with it, actually. Gosh, what year was it? It was several, several years ago, 2016, 2017. I was invited by the Flanders Tourism Department to do what's called a fam trip so we call it a familiarization trip in our business and it allows us to basically learn about a place from firsthand experience so so i was invited to go and uh i i mean i just literally fell in love with it there was nothing i didn't like about it and so then i went back with my wife and then i've been back since then and i've been i just i can't get enough of it i think my wife and i could could literally live there
0: oh that's so awesome yeah. When I traveled there, uh, my daughter was like four years old and I went solo with her and we had a fantastic time, like I said, exploring Brussels and, and Ghent. And I just wish we had just a little bit more time. We would have been able to, uh, to go visit Bruges. So if people are going to go visit Bruges, like what time of year should people plan their trip?
1: They should go at the time that works for them in their schedule because the city has been around for hundreds, if not thousands of years and uh, has a rich history. I find it great at Christmas time. I find it great in the summertime. Weather-wise, it's roughly equivalent to Ohio. So there's no snow in the winter. Uh, It gets cold, but again, no snow. Uh, It's roughly flatlands, so it lends itself really well towards uh, bikers and uh, things like that. And in general, it's just, I don't know, there's just kind of a little bit of everything there. Right on. You know, Belgium itself is
0: obviously very well known for, for beer and for chocolate and, and a few other things. But I think a lot of people don't really know exactly where it is in Europe. Like, Where would you describe it in the map uh, as far as the country is, and then also as far as the
1: city? Yeah. So easily it's uh, just north of France and west of Germany. So where those kind of meet is Belgium. And it played a really interesting historical role in World War One and World War Two because of its geographic area.
0: And then, as far as Bruges, like in the country, I think it's off to the to the west. Is that correct of the country?
1: Bruges is kind of in the north, so it's in the Flanders area, which in general is the west part of Belgium. It's in the north. It's really not very far from the coast. Okay.
0: All right. So if we're gonna we're gonna come visit. Is there an airport there in Bruges or do we fly into Brussels and then take a train or something? How do we get there?
1: If you have your own private jet, I believe there's an airport, but otherwise you're coming into Brussels. <laughs>
0: so, <laughs> yeah, the private jet quite isn't into the budget yet for me, but so yeah, I guess we'll fly into Brussels.
1: Yeah. No, it's a uh, so once you get into Brussels, it's actually a really easy maybe 30, 45 minute train ride that's very inexpensive, or you could obviously charter a ride. And it's again, you know, it's roughly 30 to 45 minutes by car, train, et cetera, et cetera. So it's it's very, very one of the things I really like about Belgium is it's super accessible, you know, from any city. You can get to basically any other city in a very quick manner. But you know, I I would love to let your listeners know that Belgium is a fascinating country because of its cultural influences over the years. It actually has four official languages. And so what I think most Americans are very surprised about is that English is spoken throughout. It is one of the four languages. So you actually don't have to be out of your element at all anywhere in the Flanders area. You can speak English just normally and the menus are in English and everything is is ready for you.
0: Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, because I think that's uh, one of the things that kind of stops a lot of people or makes them a little hesitant about traveling internationally is that, okay, am I going to be able to speak to anybody? Am I going to be able to read any of the signs or to be able to navigate around? Uh, so knowing that they speak English, I think, would put a lot of people at ease. Similarly, because it's a it's in the the, the Shenzhen and, and Euro area, uh, I was just in Madrid, and and going into the, the EU, you don't need to worry about it. Obviously, you need your passport, but you don't need to worry about you know, like a visa or anything, any other additional documentation, it's as long as you're there for a relatively short period of time, you know, 30 days or less or 90 days or less, something like that, then you don't need any additional paperwork. It's just as long as you have your passport, you're good to go.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, it's so, you know, to piggyback on what you just said and going back to what I said earlier about it being very accessible, Belgium is something you can add to an itinerary that you already have. So For example, from Brussels on the high-speed train, you can make it to Paris in an hour and a half. You can make it to London in two hours. You can make it to Amsterdam in an hour and 45. So it's very, very central. And if you're staying in Belgium, you could literally do day trips at each of those three cities and be back that day without changing hotels. So it, it adds a lot of really flexibility to any particular tour and gives you the ability to be mobile, but also have a good home base and kind of explore.
0: Yeah, that's fantastic. I know like, you know, I use a lot of miles and points whenever I travel and sometimes like the place you want to go to doesn't always have the best fares to be able to get there. So because Europe is so easily accessible with uh, those high speed trains, you can fly into like an alternate city and then take that train to wherever you want to be able to get to and be there almost like as if you took like a, a second flight from whatever that city is to get there and without the hassle of going through like TSA type security.
1: Yeah. And I really encourage people to, obviously we, we do this for our clients, but anybody who's just traveling on their own, I, I think it's really important to be able to incorporate different modes of travel than what you're used to. And to just give you some color on that, You know, I think most people are used to their drive commute and that gets really stale. So if you can get yourself out of that uh, mode where you're not in a car, but you're on a train or a boat or something else, I think that really adds to the vacation experience in the terms of taking you out of your normal life and putting you into a new situation that you have to analyze for what it is. So I'm a big fan of taking trains and planes, trains, and automobiles. That's basically (laughs) it.
0: (laughs) Right on. Well, along those lines, you know, I I know, like I said, I I use credit cards for pretty much everything. And I know that obviously credit cards are easily accessible there. One, obviously you want to use a credit card that doesn't have, uh, that doesn't charge foreign exchange fees. But when you're going there to Bruges uh, or, you know, the other cities, do we need some like pocket change? So should we get some uh, some currency exchange or should we just be able to rely on our our credit cards for
1: that? You can definitely rely on your credit cards most anywhere in Europe, you know, especially Belgium as well. As it comes to cash, the way to put it, this was is kind of um, some cultures. I won't say which ones. Have a uh, high predominance of cash society. And so in Europe, these visitors are often bringing two to $10,000 in cash with them anywhere that they go. What has happened, the net result of that is that it has attracted pickpockets. And so I like to be able to inform our clients to be able to be cautious. So generally speaking, I find that you should start any trip with about 300 euros. That's a good amount. Now, if you need more cash, you can always go to an ATM. And, you know, I understand that you've probably sussed out the exact credit card to make sure you pay the least fees. But I would also tell anybody who's not a rugged traveler like yourself that, yeah, even if you don't have said card and you do have some fees i would venture to say it's probably been a decade since you've paid domestic atm fees you know if you're if you're in your hometown or something like that right so paying them every now and then is not that big a deal but i i usually recommend 300 euros and honestly i never recommend exchange places Oh yeah, for sure. Those are just like a complete rip off. Yeah.
0: Personally, I always, I kind of have like a travel fund in my, my Schwab account. And then whenever I need a little bit of cash, I pull it out from one of the local banks. Watch out for some of like the other ATMs. Sometimes they are, they look like they're official, but they're, they can be a scam. They with like, you know, high fees and, and horrible exchange rates. But uh, look for the ones that are specifically from, from a bank. Look, look for something that is really official. But then whenever I pull cash out, Schwab actually reimburses the the fees that the ATM charges. So that's always nice. But yeah, so it's good to have a little bit of cash for that because you never know. You go into like a small mom and pop shop. Maybe you find like a little like Saturday market, you know, a little like market where like the, the farmer's market, uh, something along those lines. And I think that the Bruges has markets um, for that. So it's always good to kind of support the local local business owners and local farmers. And so that that's a good way to do it because most of them, not all of them are going to accept you know, your credit card.
1: I couldn't back that up enough. So supporting local businesses is what makes tourism actually work. And so, you know, to kind of key on on a key difference that we promote is that uh, Lugos Travel has been an award-winning global travel group, and we've booked thousands of life-changing trips. But what we don't do is a lot of cruises. We, We do very, very few cruises. And the reasons are that cruises are generally putting a very low amount of money back into the communities with which that they visit. So I wanted to be able to promote sustainable tourism over a long period of time and be able to put more dollars into the local communities, the local uh, hotels, and less of the chain things that happen. What we craft is a more authentic experience that gives you a better look at what's going on versus an Americanized version of what's going on there. Absolutely. So kind of
0: along those same lines, when we're staying there in in Bruges, are there certain like uh, more boutique or like mom and pop type of hotels that you recommend?
1: Definitely. There's two and one of them's not strictly a hotel, but if you can get in, by gosh, get in. So I took my wife to a place called the Dragon House. It's actually not a hotel. It's a guest house. So this gentleman is a renowned map maker And uh, he works out of his house. It's this unbelievable home right in the thick of things in Bruges. And uh, I mean, we're talking 18th century original frescoes on the wall. And he has a long history in his family of hospitality. And so he has five rooms that he lets out. It's just like a hotel. There's no real difference. It's not like you can't, you know, you have to have somebody answer the door or anything. You can get in and out. But it's absolutely just fantastic. And uh, to to put a pin on that, like, I mean, it's just incredible what the guy does. The hospitality is off the charts. But if you want a more hotel experience, I recommend the PAND Hotel, P-A-N-D, for those of you guys looking up. Uh, The PAND Hotel is also phenomenal. And uh, one of the things that I thought was really, really interesting and cool was that every single room at the pand hotel is completely bedecked in custom ralph lauren fabrics the carpets ralph lauren the like curtains the linens like all of it every room is unique different gorgeous
0: yeah both those both those hotels sound really amazing uh, i like that they have that that local flavor personally i think i may be afraid to stay at the at the pand hotel just cuz It sounds so nice that I think I'd be afraid to mess something
1: up. No, it's, it's, it's super accessible. I mean, you know, here's the thing, right? Is you should feel comfortable where you are, obviously, but these are very state institutions. Both of these places that I just talked about are, I mean, absolutely top, top notch, but you know, at the pan house, you're going to have a breakfast cooked on an antique piece of uh, cooking equipment by a woman (laughs) in a. In a full French maid outfit, like this is a very very nice place that's not crazy expensive either. So it's not one of those things that's a thousand dollars a night. I think it's like three hundred and change. So it's a very you know nominal fee for what you're looking at doing, and it's super well located in the city. It's very walkable to everything, and and honestly, that's what I things I would key in on a lot about Bruges. It is a very walkable city. Most of the city is surrounded by a canal. And that entire, the circumference is, I think it's roughly three and a half miles total. Yeah, no,
0: that's awesome. And I know that, like I said, I was just in Madrid and the exchange rate right now for Americans is so favorable. Like I was looking at this, uh, this coat, it was normally like $220 US, but euros, it was listed as 140. And so with the exchange rate, I, I paid only $145. So uh, the exchange rate is very favorable for Americans right now if you're looking to go to Europe. And so that $300 hotel might actually be really inexpensive comparatively uh, when you look at the exchange rates there.
1: A hundred percent. Lee, right now, anybody and everybody should be considering traveling to Europe because you're getting 15 to 20% off across the board in everything you're going to do just because of the exchange rate.
0: Well, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, speaking of things to do, like, what are some of the things that we should look to do while we're there in in Bruges?
1: My favorite thing is to just walk around. It's gorgeous. There's canals throughout, beautiful trees, great architecture. Belgium is is actually known very well for its architecture because over the last several hundreds, couple of thousand years, it's been under the control of various countries throughout Europe. So it's had German influence it's had Spanish influence and everything in between right and so what you get is a very interesting hodgepodge of buildings architecture mixed with a little bit of water bridges it's just absolutely gorgeous so what would what should you do I would say anybody that goes there should definitely do a boat tour Uh, there's many 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 choices as that comes you can do it privately you can do it as a public thing I think it costs as little as ten bucks a person, or obviously more if you privatize the boat but highly recommend uh there's a great food culture there, so uh chocolate shops uh, you can go into these fantastic little chocolate shops and i'll i 'll skip to the best part. The chocolate's amazing, but one of my favorites is this little like block of chocolate that they put on the end of a stick. And it's kind of like uh, a hot cocoa in waiting. So all you do is you warm up your milk, you drop this ball of chocolate in, and you start stirring, and boom. In the next couple of minutes, it's like literally the best hot chocolate you've ever had in your entire life. Oh, that
0: sounds delicious.
1: Let's see. What else is great? I like little cafes. You mentioned a market. There's one in the center square. There's the Bell Tower, which is pretty famously known for the people who have seen the movie In Bruges with Colin Farrell. I think that's where that's where the murder happens <laughs> if you haven't seen the movie.
0: <laughs> yeah, the I was looking I was looking it up. It's called the uh, the Belfry of Bruges and yeah, that I love that movie. Colin Farrell's one of my, my favorite actors. He always does such a good job. But yeah, that movie was awesome and yeah, the bel- the Belfry of of Bruges. I'm not sure if you can climb up it or, or tour it, but
1: You totally can. Okay. Yeah, so you can go up. It's a lot of steps. It's pretty skinny, so you know there's a little bit of traffic jams and stuff from people going up and down at the same time. But it offers a phenomenal view of the city, that's for sure. Now, I will say this for the people who are doing that: uh, there is, I believe, a brewery inside of that, or at least a brewery museum. Eh, that was skippable. Uh, if you've never been, you know, and you want to go see it, I, you definitely can. It's not the worst thing that's ever I've ever been on, but it's just okay. What are some other things? You know, you could rent bicycles and you could bicycle to the coast. You can just uh, take a long walk. Uh, there's some great museums. Just a lot, a lot of stuff to do. It's a really good cultural town.
0: Oh, for sure, yeah. One of the things I was looking at, you know, like you talk about just walking around, uh, Berg Square is is a really nice, like Central Plaza. You can kind of cruise around and, and check things out and kind of people watch, you know. And then also, like we talked about earlier, just kind of, Supporting the the local businesses, you know, poke your head in there and see what type of local crafts they offer and and, and things of that nature. Uh, one of the things I always love about you know, visiting European cities is just the architecture. I mean, the, even something as like stayed and and old school as like the city hall. The pictures I've seen, it is absolutely gorgeous, uh, and it's like just city hall. Whereas like here, it's you know in the U.S. it's brick and 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 steel and and maybe a little bit of glass. Whereas you know in Europe these. City Hall buildings and some of these other buildings, especially the churches, even if you're not religious, like just the structure of the buildings, absolutely gorgeous.
1: Yeah, no, 100%. That's phenomenal area for that as well. Uh, There's definitely a few that are worth checking out. But, uh, you know, I almost forgot to tell you about the Halfman Brewery. Have you heard of that? No. It's this phenomenal brewery uh, right in the center of town. And they make great beer. They have a restaurant down in the uh, bottom floor It has probably one of the best beer braised beef that I've ever had. So food, just phenomenal. But what's really cool about this is you can take a tour. So I'm going to do two things that are really cool about the Man. A lot of people don't know this, but if you've ever heard of a Lambic, have you ever heard of a Lambic beer? I've
0: heard of it. I'm not sure if I've had one yet.
1: So they're generally called sours or Lambics. They're generally fruity in nature. And they all 100% originate only in Belgium. And the reason that they do is because Belgium is one of the very few, if not the only place in the world that has natural airborne yeasts created by the plant and flora and fauna and the area surrounding. And so one of the things that the have Man and other breweries used to do is they would have these giant copper vats on the rooftop of their of their brewery. And they would just fill them up with the beer and then they would let the air literally ferment the beer and create the the alcoholic process. So it's a really cool thing to see the ancient processes of how they used to do that. But one of the things that's really cool, and and I'm not going to lie, if I lived in Belgium or if I lived in Bruges, I'd probably have to be very picky about where I would get my place because the Halfman Brewery is one of the only places in the world that has a beer pipeline. So so it's a really small city, it's a really small brewery, and they produce an enormous amount of beer. And so one of the problems that they had is they were constantly bringing in these trucks, filling the trucks with beer, and then taking the beer to their processing and bottling plant. And so they instead built a beer pipeline. And uh, it would be my dream to have a house that just nicks a little bit off. Top. <laughs> just along the lines i don't know it's, i'm sure it's a very well-kept secret where the line is but uh, but i think that that's just fascinating so they're pipelining their beer to their bottling plant and that is very very unique
0: that is really cool yeah like if you get a little straw or something like that yeah, like you said tap like, into the line
1: uh, it's my dream <laughs> to have a uh to have a refrigerated line with a tap in my shower <laughs> well, that would be awesome i don't drink that much
0: that would be so cool. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Well, one of the things we don't want to miss out talking about is obviously there's a great food culture there in, in, in Belgium as well. Uh, obviously, you know, a lot of people know about Belgian waffles. And when I went to, to Brussels and Ghent, we we ate our fair share of, of waffles and fries and, and ice cream. But what are some of like the really good food experiences we should experience while we're there?
1: So, so much. Belgium itself, and Bruges is no exception, has the highest concentration of Michelin star dining in the world. Most people are very shocked to hear that. They don't expect it. So there is a ton of good eating. Uh, some of the things that are really, really good, uh, aside from the seafood, the mussels, phenomenal mussels everywhere in, in Belgium, the uh, Grote Market, which is uh, off the De Berg market that you said, but that actually has a... Uh, a uh, meat market that's really, really good. There's the Chocolate Line, which is my favorite chocolate place. Fun fact, this is, I think, 2004. The Rolling Stones were coming in concert in Bruges, and the Chocolate Line owner created snorting chocolate. And uh, <laughs> in honor of them, yeah, it's it's crazy. He even invented a little machine that helps you snort it. Uh, if you've never snorted chocolate, that's definitely an experience. <laughs> that's, that's a little different. But, yeah, there's a, there's a great food culture there.
0: Now, you mentioned uh, you know some of those mission star restaurants. I know a lot of times you know, travelers are looking for those those really good food experiences. Do you have any couple of recommendations as far as uh, a couple of those restaurants that people should check out?
1: There's close to 20 in Bruges alone, which is ridiculous. That's extra. But uh, my wife and I went to Denguden Harnik. It's a one star. I thought it was phenomenal. I would love to be able to tell your listeners that, like, when you think of a Michelin star dining experience, it's very, very easy to think of something that's three hundred, four hundred, five hundred dollars per person. I want you to know that, like, that's not necessarily the case. So, then Hernick had, uh, I think it was a sixty-five dollars per person special. It was four courses. It was incredible, and it was not breaking the bank. I mean, we we got a great bottle of wine and still kept it really reasonable. So eating well is very important. And I would encourage any customer, any listener to make sure that they they create some space for exceptional dining experience, at least once during any tour. More if you can do it. But I think there is a there is definitely a diminishing returns on Michelin star dining, especially when you're doing multiple course meals. Especially if you're doing lunch and dinner, it can be a little bit much. So, for me, the the magic is being able to do lunch and dinners at Michelin star, but spread out in different days, so that it's not like boom, 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 like that's all you eat.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Right on. Well, well, uh, Shane, I really appreciate you coming on the show and sharing all these amazing tips for Bruges. Now I realize what I missed out on when uh, when we were there in Brussels and and Belgium. Next time, we're going to make sure we we go check it out for sure. I've
1: got to ask you, Lee, when you were in Ghent, did you go to Terentorlin, Verlint? I don't remember. (laughs) Listen, there is a, is obviously far off topic, but I'm going to do it anyway. Ghent has a mustard shop that has been in business for over 300 years. And if you don't get some mustard when you go to Ghent, like if you go to Bruges, I fully expect you, Lee, to take a train, go to Ghent, get some mustard, come back to Bruges. It's that good. Oh, nice. There's so many like little things that you can find. You know, one of the things that like we key in on with part of our custom daily amenities package is being able to bring new experiences that are local specialties to our clients so that they don't miss out on kind of like what you did with again. Uh, so did you ever have Coober while you were in Belgium?
0: I don't remember. We were there. It was like three years ago and I was there with a four-year-old. And so <laughs> we visited McDonald's every day for her to get some nuggets because otherwise she wasn't eating anything else. So, <laughs> so my, my experience was a little muted, you know, versus yeah. if it was just me and my wife or me traveling solo, but we still had a fantastic time and, and everything else.
1: Yeah. No, I think you can always have a good time. So yeah, kuberdons are small conical gummy candies and they sell them on the street everywhere in Belgium, uh, usually in paper bags. So it's not something that like people see and they're like, wow, I want that. They see a paper bag is pretty much what most people see. But knowing and understanding what the things are that are interesting and different about a specific place. Is what can set your uh, experience completely apart. So I applaud you for for being able to dig into different cities on this podcast and being able to enlighten people on what those things are, so that they can feel like a local even though they've never been.
0: Absolutely, yeah. That's the whole the whole gist of the podcast is being able to have a deeper travel experience when, when you're visiting some cities, whether it's a city that you've known of all your life, like New York, or it's a city that maybe you you've never even heard of, like like Bruges.
1: Well. We ran into that all the time, you know. We we had so many clients that would come back from a trip and they'd be like, "I'd be like, oh, did you try this?" Be like, "No." Did you try that? No. Did you go here? No. And what I realized was that my clients are paying us to be the experts in the particular area, and so our custom daily amenities package is a way that we can do that, and uh, we find locally sourced, locally produced specialties in every area that you can possibly imagine. We've done knives, jewelry, candy, clothes, food, non-food, perfumes, colognes, you name it. Whatever's the local specialty of that area, we will deliver one of those items to your room every day. That sounds fantastic.
0: Well, right on. Well, Shane, uh, again, I really appreciate you sharing all these amazing tips for Bruges. Now it's time for the final countdown. If somebody only had time for one meal when they visit a Bruges, where should they go and what should they
1: eat? In hernick and have the uh, chef's menu, the tasting menu.
0: Now, the couple times that you visited, I know, you know, again, like you specialize in all these amazing experiences. What's one of your most memorable stories from being in, in Bruges?
1: My favorite barely has anything to do with Bruges, but I was meeting my wife there and she was coming on the train by herself. I was meeting her there because I was already in France, so I was coming from France. And so she landed in Brussels, took the train to Bruges, and just Honestly, just lost track of time. She she stayed on the train past Bruges. Didn't know when to get off. So my favorite story is the day that she ended up on the train to Amsterdam on accident, <laughs> and was helped by a local soccer player, who then made sure that a local policeman made sure that she got on the right train back. And uh, when she got to the hotel, the Dragon House, the one that I was telling you about earlier. She walked in and she was like, I mean, aside from all the drudgeries of travel, uh, she was just like, this place is phenomenal. You take as much time as you want. I don't care if you get here at all. Like, I'm very happy. So, oh,
0: that's fantastic.
1: It was really, really nice.
0: That could have that gone a much different way. You know, I know some spouses, if <laughs> they, they would have not let the other, the other half off the hook, even if it was their mistake. So I'm glad that I'm glad that it worked out for you. And you didn't have to sleep on the couch.
1: Well, the nice thing is is that I think the takeaway there is that so many people in Europe are really, really helpful. Whereas I think the American way is to sort of keep your head down and not really talk to strangers. I, I find that that's somewhat the same in Europe, but with little differences. And those little differences are that when you ask for help, people are really, really helpful and want to make sure that you're in good hands. So I think that's the takeaway is that, you know, Europe... Belgium, lots of these different cities, they're used to having an enormous amount of travelers and tourists. And in essence, they understand that foundationally, it's really important to their to their culture, to their economy and everything else. And so, you know, in a very general sense, there's a lot of really good things being done to help people feel safe and have a good time.
0: I totally agree. Uh, from all of my experiences, I've come across the same thing. Now, speaking of good times and happy memories, where's the happiest happy hour in Bruce?
1: So, my favorite was when I was there in the, the Berg, the Central Market. There's actually a little street right off of there, which has a bunch of little uh, restaurants and bars. I'm trying to look up the name of this. I think it was called Camberness. As a matter of fact, that's definitely what it was. Yeah. So, it's a great restaurant, but they have uh, phenomenal little good beers and stuff in that area. And then what's really, really cool, I don't know, I thought this was cool. But the guy stores all of his kegs in the basement unrefrigerated and has a custom refrigerated line that so as it pulls the beer up, it's refrigerating the beer, making it ice cold and then bringing it up like two floors and then putting it into the uh, the tap and putting it out. It's just phenomenally cool. So this guy doesn't have like a huge cooler system. He has no cooler system, but the beer still comes out, you know, ice cold. So uh, there's like a lot of really interesting, cool breweries there and bars. And because the beer culture is so good, you can be out until four or five in the morning and find some really great places to have a beer. Like for example, one of my favorite beers is Triple Carmelite, but there's also, my other favorite beer is uh, Golden Dragon. There's just so, so many. And I, f- I feel like I'm going to come away from this looking like lush, but uh, <laughs> but it, but the beer culture in Belgium is so incredibly good that it's honestly put me off all other beers. Yeah, so it's made it really, really easy for me. I look at the menu and if they have something phenomenal from Belgium, I'll have a beer. And if they don't, I'll have something else.
0: No, exactly. It's kind of like after you've driven a Ferrari, it's hard to go back to the, back to the Honda, right?
1: I doubt you would, you know?
0: Now, uh, one of the things I always do whenever I travel is check out the local pizza. What's the best best place for pepperoni pizza in Brogge?
1: All right, so pizza. I like the one called La Etna because not only is it rated very, very well, but when you say Etna, it makes me think of Italy. And when you think of Italy, you think of great pizza. So boom, there you go.
0: Right on, that sounds good. Definitely have to check that out when we go visit.
1: Now, like we talked about that, you have your,
0: your travel business, and so you create a lot of different awesome experiences for people. Uh, If you had to have one travel tip for your clients, what would that be?
1: My number one travel tip has always been the same, and it's this. I could give all of my clients a million top 10 lists, top 10 beaches, top 10 rooftop pools, like all these things. And essentially, that's the question you're asking me right now, which is, what do I love the most? And the reality of that is that I've had to look at it and say, what is missing in people's lives that keeps them from booking these great vacations and the reality is I find the problem is not information the problem is actually time and having the ability to set aside the time and attention that it takes to plan and put together a great vacation so if you want to have a great vacation my number one tip is you don't have to call me you don't have to call my company but call a professional because ultimately what you're not lacking is information. What you're lacking is time and the ability to do it. And that's what we do for a living is we allow our clients to be experts in their lives, to be the great dads and moms, to be the entrepreneurs and business owners or the engineers and the architects and all the other things that they, that they're really, really good at in their life and save them money from saving them time. Because at the end of the day, if you value your time and you make, let's say hundred dollars an hour, let's say you value your time at hundred dollars an hour. We save you on average four to $8,000 in your time by planning it for you. So what's the best tip? Get somebody who knows what they're doing, who's been doing it a really long time and who's going to set you in the right position to have a good time so that you can honestly just get back to your life. Planning vacations does not have to be tough. And I I told you this earlier, our entire process, we call it a vacation from planning a vacation does not have to be tough. Yeah, that sounds pretty amazing.
0: Obviously, we talked about a little bit about your process and what you guys do. So can you tell us a little bit more about who you are and what Lugos Travel does for everybody?
1: Sure. Lugos Travel is a custom private luxury tour operator, custom meaning we do everything on a personal basis. Private, meaning we don't do any groups, so you will never be with some guy named Steve who you've never met before. You will only be with the people that you do. Private also means we do private tours only, private transportation, always with an English-speaking guide and driver, if those can be separate people. So essentially what we are offering is that we have 66 tours in 19 countries that our clients can pull a custom proposal in under five minutes. It's good for any day of the year. So we give all of our clients 100% of the information that they need to make the decision that they need to on which vacation that they're going to take before uh, they've even had a chance to schedule a meeting or tell us a whole bunch of stuff. So most companies really need 30 to 45 minutes of information from their clients before they can get you a proposal one week later. And we flip that entire script and give you the proposal in under five minutes And if you want to talk to us, we're happy to do that. But we basically give you everything. And uh, our structure is super simple. Uh, We offer an essential tour structure, which is anything that anybody would need, whether you've never been somewhere or you've been there five times. It's uh, private, English-speaking, round-trip transportation anytime you have your luggage or anytime it's more than 20 minutes point-to-point. And that starts from your home, your front door, until it ends at your front door. We include four-star and up hotels. We include breakfast every day, a welcome dinner on your first night, a farewell dinner on your last night, and one privately guided tour in each city you visit. And then after that, we just offer you a phenomenal amount of customizations and extras that you can fill the time with or not. Lee, the number one thing I would tell people is if you only take our essential tour structure, it's everything you need. You don't need anything else. But... Some people like to have, you know, cooking class or drive a Ferrari or whatever. And we can uh, we can make that happen.
0: Shane, I really appreciate you sharing all these amazing tips and information about Bruges as well as your company. If somebody has questions about either one, we're going to have links to all that in the show notes. What's the best way to reach you on social media?
1: The absolute best way is uh, ShaneMahoney360.com. From there, you can access our podcasts You can access all our websites, all my social medias for business and personal, um, and basically anything and everything that you would need to be able to contact me. You can save my contact information. You can get on my calendar. Everything from Shane Mahoney 360.
0: Fantastic. Well, we'll definitely include that in the show notes, and we look forward to seeing you when we travel there.
1: Can't wait, Lee. I'd love to go travel with you sometime.
0: What an awesome conversation with Shane. Shane. You can find all the links we talked about and our one-page guide to Shane's tips at wetravelthere.com forward slash Bruges. We want to say thank you to Acorns for being today's affiliate partner. With Acorns, you can invest spare change automatically on every purchase that you make. Plus, you can earn found money by shopping at participating retailers. This is a great way to easily build up your travel fund. For a limited time, when you sign up at wetravelthere.com forward slash Acorns, we'll both earn $5. Join us next time as we head to Honolulu, Hawaii, this week, I'm the new friend, Claire Tack of ClairesHoliday.com. In this episode, Claire and I talk about taking the Cocoa Head hike, exploring the Makapu'u Lighthouse, and learning about Hawaiian history at the Iolani Palace. We hope you join us when we travel there. If you've enjoyed this podcast episode, please share it with your friends and tell them what you like most. Make sure you follow us on your favorite podcast app. That way, you won't miss any of our upcoming destinations.
1: passengers must go immediately to gate number eight.